Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're here with us this morning uh, here at Calvary Church. And uh, as we get started this morning, I want to share a little bit of something that I'm excited about, um, and I think that you are all excited about, and, and honestly, I think if we looked across Michigan, they would be excited about, it's that summer's coming. Okay, are you excited or not? Oh, man. We are ready to be done with winter and the cold and all that jet. Like, we are excited to see summer coming. And I don't know if I've ever been to a state that's more excited for summer coming. Like, I mean, when summer hits in Michigan, it's like the world just flips upside down. Everybody's like, woo, go to the beach. Yeah, let's go. Let's get out of here. Um, because we all know that there's the dreaded winter that waits for us at the end of summer. So we're just gonna pretend like that doesn't exist and we're gonna just be in the midst of summer. We're gonna enjoy it. And I will admit, I love summer around Michigan. Um, I love it taking advantage of all the, the fun that happens in summer. And so one of my happy places is out up north dirt biking in the middle of Michigan, right? Um, I love getting out and riding dirt bikes all over the place, kind of getting lost, getting stuck, getting muddy. Uh, if you look at some of those faces, they're a little bit dirty, including, my, that's my beard, all right? Um, but I love getting out. And actually, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity because I actually don't own a dirt bike. I can't afford one. And so my friends let me borrow one and we run through it. If I crash it, it's great, no big deals. Um, don't worry. Moms, I wear a helmet all the time. Um, so I love getting out and enjoying summer. And I know many of you do as well, right? If we think about summer at Michi in Michigan, it's, man, we spend time at the lake. We're out getting a tan. We're up at the cottage. We are uh, playing games outside. It's for many of you with kids, it's soccer, it's baseball. It's all these different things that we get to enjoy outside. And there is nothing Nothing inherently wrong about any of those things. But I have to ask the question. I have, to, I have to ask the question. When those things get taken from us, what happens? Man, yesterday it was beautiful outside and then it started to rain. If you had plans outside last night and then the rain hits, what happens? Man, I'm taking the bike out and we're gonna go hit the trails and the first bump you hit, boom, flat tire. I don't have the stuff to fix it. Oh man, my friends are gonna meet me up here. Oh shoot, you can't make it. What happens when the circumstances change? When the summer plans don't go as we want them to go? When things go awry, when we, when we outside of our control, things happen and that stuff is just kind of pulled out from under us. I think sometimes we start to get a little depressed, we get a little bit sad, we go inward because we were gonna find our joy in that moment. We were gonna, that was gonna be our moment of joy for the weekend. That was gonna be our, our time when we could be excited and, and just engage and enjoy the moment. And so what we're talking about this morning, as you've already heard, the title that we're going through in this series of Philippians is the fight for joy the fight for joy, right? And as we fight for joy, I think that there's something a little bit deeper than just these summer activities that we, we would maybe even, maybe even say are joyful, right? But these are circumstantial joys because they depend on the circumstance that's around us. There's somebody in the Bible who ultimately knew all too well the circumstantial joy, the circumstantial joys. It was Paul. 
right? He was, he was Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He had the pedigree. He had the position. He had the money. He had the power. And just in a moment, bam, stopped on the road to Damascus, blinded. Everything is stripped from him. And all these things that he once thought he had get flipped upside down and now it's there no longer. But if you read the letters that Paul wrote, you don't see an absence of joy. You don't see somebody who's complaining at every turn. You don't see somebody who's like, God, why did you do this to me? I had everything. I had it all. I was, I, it was all laid out before me and you stole it from me. What you really hear is somebody who's saying, now I really have it. I was searching for it in all the wrong places and the Lord has given me joy, whether I'm high or whether I'm low in all circumstances, I've learned to praise the Lord. So if you'll open with me to Philippians chapter one, verses nine through 11, we're gonna be on page 951 in the, in the Bibles in front of you in the pews. And what we're really gonna be doing today is actually we're gonna be looking at a prayer a prayer that Paul gives to the Philippians and he actually prays over them. And, he's, and, I, and I think in some ways he's teaching them to pray even in that moment. He's giving them this prayer as a, as a lesson, as, a, as an opportunity to hear and to grow even in their circumstances. And so as we dive into this idea of joy, I think we have to be uh, we have to realize that this joy is a, it's found in the confidence and the hope and a complete wholeness in Jesus Christ. It's not just found in the circumstances. So let me read with us Philippians chapter one, verses nine through 11. It says this, and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. At first we read this and, and I actually just, I mean, like this is Paul just thanking God right? He thanks God in these earlier verses and then he brings us over to this, this prayer, this heart of praise. And I think he's teaching us something within this. And so this morning, the main idea from this text and as we go throughout the morning is this. It's gonna be this, it's fight for joy with prayer. Fight for joy with prayer. Now, I think you heard me but I don't know that you actually understood what I just said. When I said fight for joy with prayer, I think what you heard was, I need to probably pray more. Or man, prayer is a good idea. Or uh, prayer is good. Yes, all those things are great. But what I actually said was fight for joy with prayer. And I don't know if you understand this, but fighting for something is not always easy. It's not always clean. It's not always smooth. I don't know about you. I haven't been in a fight since third grade. So, I mean, I don't have a lot of like personal experience of like fist fighting, but the last time I watched like a boxing match or MMA or something like that, people are bloodied. When you go to fight somebody, you don't walk away unscathed. 
You don't walk away like, oh yeah, I was just in a fight, no big deal. What? Like you get hit, you get punched. Sometimes you go down and you get back up because you're fighting for something. So when we say fight for joy with prayer, it does not mean like, oh yeah, I should probably just pray more. Oh yeah, yeah, ah, shoot, haven't prayed yet today. (laughs) Gotta get that guy. No, this is a wrestling match because fighting is messy. Fighting is dirty. Fighting is sometimes embarrassing and humiliating and humbling. There's more to it than when we fight for joy. And here's the thing, this isn't Paul's first fight. When he writes this prayer, this isn't his first fight. This is actually his battle plan. This is what he prescribes to the Philippians people. This is what he gives to people. And so we see this all throughout scripture. When he gives it in Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, he says, pray also for me. He's like, fight for me, pray for me. But whatever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. I'm fighting in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. First Timothy 2, one through six, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all good godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed Two at the proper time. He's like, fight for joy. Fight for me with this. Pray. Philemon 4 through 7, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has been given me great joy and encouragement because you brothers have refreshed the heart of the Lord's people. Romans 15, 30 through 33, I urge you brothers and sisters by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Join me in this fight, pray for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contributions I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with all of you, with you all. Amen. So if we understand that fighting is hard and that fighting is messy and that fighting at times is embarrassing and humbling, then how do we fight? Well, first of all, we have to understand that this fight is not a fist fight. This fight is a a spiritual fight. And I'll be honest, that should scare you more than a fist fight. Like I said, I haven't been in a fist fight since I was in third grade. I I haven't been in that fight since third grade, but I'm more scared of a spiritual fight than I am a fist fight because there's things at work in this world. And sometimes I take it for granted and I I act like they don't exist. And sometimes I'm not willing to go to the mat and pray like my joy depends on it. 
And so Paul calls us. He says that there's something we can do. He says, pray. Number one is this, pray that love may abound. Pray that love may abound more and more. Right? He says in verse nine, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Wait a second, you just said fight. Now you're saying love? Hold on, which one is it, right? Well, I think, I think one of the most uh, blaringly obvious ways that we need to fight is through love. Why? Jesus gives it to us. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, he says, Jesus tells us, you have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The most powerful way we can fight against our enemies is to pray for them in the love of Christ. And so if our love is going to abound more and more in the knowledge and understanding and the insight of who Jesus is, we need to be loving people well. And the only way that we're going to love people well is if that we're asking God for that strength to love people well. Because I don't know about you, but I don't do it well on my own. I get angry. I get frustrated. I get confused. I get hurt. I get embarrassed. And I don't want to do it on my own. But there's one who can do it for me. There's a mediator who stands in the gap with me. And he calls me to love And the thing is, when we fight in love, when we fight so that love way abound more and more, we actually end up showing Jesus to the people around us. John chapter four, verses seven through nine says this, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So if we want love to abound more and more and more, we have to show the love of Christ. And in showing the love of Christ, we are fighting for our joy. And we're fighting for the joy of those around us. So when our neighbor is driving us crazy, right? And they're, and they're playing the loud music over and over every single night and we're frustrated and we're angry. How do we respond? If I'm fighting for joy, I'm not responding by going and yelling at my fence. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna love my neighbor the way that Christ has called me to. And in loving my neighbor, I get to share Jesus with them. These are the opportunities that I want to take as I fight for joy because I want to love the way that Jesus has loved me. Because I don't know if you realize this, but every one of us have the same sin condition and we were all enemies of God. And while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And it's because of that act of love that we come before him and we get on our knees and we praise him. It's because of that act of love that we are softened. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so if we're gonna fight for joy, if we're gonna fight, we do it through love so that it might abound more and more. Number two is this, we pray for discernment in Christ. Verse 10 says, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. 
So we pray for discernment in Christ. And how do we pray for discernment in Christ? So the, the key, the, the, the original text here is dokizmazo, right? And this word actually means approve. And so when we're talking about this, meaning to approve, we could say it this way. How do I best discern what God approves for my life? Right? How can I fight in such a way that is pleasing to the Lord? If I'm going to actually do what God is concerned with, and I actually am going to fight in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, I need to pray. I need to ask him, God, how can I please you with my life? Here's the thing. Here's the scary thing. You might not get the answer you want. You might not get the answer you want. And here's the thing. If you're going to ask God what he wants you to do with your life, you better be, re- better be ready to respond. For all of Paul's prior faults, for all of the ways that he persecuted Christians, that he was zealous after these things, I do, I do think in some way he wanted what God wanted. And it was in that moment that he was blinded on the road to Damascus And he falls on his knees and he says, Lord, who are you? Right? He understands in that moment, man, my life was in the wrong direction. There needs to be a shift that happens here. And the Lord helps him discern, this is the will I have for you. Paul no longer fights it. He says, all right, God, send me, I'm going. He's willing to obey once he discerns what the will of the Lord is. And I think Paul actually answers the question a little bit later on in Philippians chapter four, verse eight. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. If I'm trying to discern the will of God, if I'm trying to see what he wants me to do, I'm looking at these things and I'm saying, is this, what I'm, is this how I'm living my life? Is this where I'm finding my joy? Am I finding my joy in the things that the Lord finds joy in, that he sees and he's called me to, or am I finding my joy in the circumstances of what I've created and what I've made? I don't know about you, but I've, I've binged Netflix series before. I've watched the shows and the movies and at the end, I never really am like, oh, that was so satisfying. You know what? I don't think I need to watch TV ever again. Oh, I, I just feel so joyful. I mean, it's over. Yes. I think it's almost the opposite. We do these things over and over and over and we, and we expect for a different result. We expect something is going to change. Something is going to, it's going to, it's going to feed my flesh in a new way today. And it doesn't. I mean, I've used this example many times before, but I don't know about you as a, as a little kid at Christmas, was there ever that gift that you really just really had to have? And you were like, oh my goodness, once I get this gift, my life will be complete. I mean, I will be a whole person after this gift happens. Some of you are thinking and you're like, no, I can't remember anything because the gift didn't do it. It didn't do it. Your life was not complete after that moment. You don't still have that gift sitting around from when your childhood because you were like, oh, the toy broke. Yeah, whatever, right? I I was convinced. I was convinced that PlayStation 
was gonna make me a whole person when I was in seventh grade. I was convinced. That was PlayStation 1 back a long time ago, right? It's terrible now. It's like awful graphics. It just, it did nothing for me. As we get older, the dreams get different. Well, if I could just have this, if I could just accomplish this, if I could just get this promotion, if I could just go here. If we're seeking our joy in these places, it's always going to leave us lacking and wanting The world is a flesh feeder. And you know what? It's really, really, really easy to give in to what the world calls us to. It's a lot more difficult to fight for joy in what God has called us to. Christ has to be the central focus. It has to be the foundation. If God isn't the foundation of our joy, I think 2020 has taught us something. The rug can be ripped out from under us, right? If COVID has taught us anything, the rug can just be ripped out real easy. And in a day, boom, everything has changed. All the rules changed, all the circumstances changed. Everything is different. It can all be taken from you in a moment. And if Christ isn't the founding joy that comes underneath it, you're going to be looking around, you're going to be stunned, and you're going to be like, what what just happened to my life? And here's the thing, if we're feeding the flesh, if that's where we're grabbing our joy, it's going to be taken from us at one moment or another. Because when the cancer hits, or the spouse dies, or the child goes wayward, there's going to be something in us that says, what, what? Where was my joy found? And if it's not Christ, it's going to be snatched from you. We have to be centering our joy on Christ. Number three is this. Pray to be filled with fruit for God's glory. Number 11, or verse 11, it says, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. I think this is where we have to get real with ourselves for a moment. We have to get real and we have to answer a question in our own hearts and our own minds, right? If I'm not seeing fruit in my life, if I'm not seeing fruit in my spiritual life, I'm in one of two boats. And this is between you and God, but you got to answer it correct because you can't hide anything from God. You're either one, you've been sitting in this room maybe for a day or maybe for a decade and you don't know Jesus. Because if you can't see the fruit of your spiritual walk, that means it's not there. And you have to admit to yourself, whether it's a day or a decade here in these seats, you do not know Jesus. And this doesn't come as a judgment. This doesn't come as a a word over you. This comes as an opportunity because Jesus is still right here waiting and saying, come. He's saying, come to me. I know you're here. I know your heart, but you haven't said yes to me and you haven't committed your life to me. So come. Jesus is there saying, he's like, I love you. I died for you. I have gone to the cross for your sins so that you might have life everlasting. Just come. And God's word says, if you believe in your heart 
and you proclaim it with your mouth that Jesus is raised from the dead and he is Lord, you will be saved. So come. The second circumstance is this. You've been sitting in these seats for a while and you're sleeping and you don't see the spiritual fruit. You haven't seen it in a while. You've kind of been lulled to sleep by the world around you and you've been, you've been okay with where you're at. You're in your routine and you're doing fine. When I say the joy of the Lord, you're like, I've got joy. I've got, it's fine. I don't really need the joy of the Lord. I don't need that foundation. I'm okay with my circumstances around me. And you need to be woken up. You need to be reminded of Acts chapter three, verse 19 that says, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshment may come from the presence of the Lord. You need to experience the presence of the Lord in your life again. And it's probably because you've kind of ignored him for a while because it's easy to get into the routine. It's easy to get into the place where it's just day in, day out, day in, day out. I've made my prayer shorter and shorter. I've made my time with God more and more sparse and the fruit, it's just not filling my life. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, um, I, I used to recite this prayer. When I was four, five, six, seven, eight years old, I would get down on my knees before my bed at night, fold my hands, my, prayer, my parents would be with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Bless daddy, bless mommy, bless Matt, bless Krista, bless Susan, bless me. Amen. Right? And as a five-year-old, if I should die before I wake, what's, what in the world? Yeah, I hope Jesus takes my soul. Uh, yeah, okay, if that's what I need to pray, that's what I need to pray. But my nervousness is sometimes that's what our prayer life has become. It's, God, thanks for this food. Uh, thanks for the weather. Uh, please give me a good day. And I pray that I don't get in a car accident. Amen. All right, let's go, guys. That's become our prayer life. That's become our communication with God. It's not that our love might abound more and more. It's not that I might discern what God has for me. It's not that the fruit of righteousness is budding within me and spilling out into my relationships. It's that I would just have a safe ride to work. It's that it wouldn't rain on my picnic. We need to have a relationship with Jesus that we're willing to fight we're willing to go to the mat in prayer. That we're willing to talk and communicate with our Lord and Savior as though he has a rule and reign over our life. That we are not king, but he is king. I wanna challenge you. Open up a new dialogue. Open up a new dialogue with the, with the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the savior of the world, the true source of joy. Because here's the reality. Here is the truth. You can't fool God. No matter what, how, how eloquent your language is, no matter how, how theologically correct it is, no matter what kind of words you use, if you're praying to God and you're not praying from your heart, he is not fooled. He knows the depths of your hearts. 
He knows every little thought within you. So if you pray and you're just trying to impress somebody, it's not impressive to God. If you're praying and you're just trying to speak things because you think it's the right thing to say, he's not impressed. He wants to know your heart and he wants to know that you're humble enough to give him your heart, not to give him a show. So when you pray, pray honestly. Pray as though God is the one who sees everything within you. Pray in such a way where it's just a, it's a conversation with God. Pray in such a way that says, yeah, I'm not joyful today. God, you already know that. Heal my heart. Remind me of your love. Remind me of who I belong to. I'm angry today. I'm frustrated. You know that. God, would you just change something within me? Within my, within my gut, would you just, would you heal me? God's not scared of a difficult prayer. God works miracles. God heals. God abolishes things that are plaguing us day in and day out. This is our opportunity to run to God and to fight for joy with prayer. One simple way to remind ourselves of this is just through an acronym. Super easy, joy. When you start to pray, Jay, who do we start with? We start with Jesus. God, you are king, I am not. Praise the Lord that I am not king. You guys would all hate me. I would make decisions that you didn't like. Jesus is king. And he deserves to be on the throne. And so when we pray, run to him, go to him first. God, let me just humble myself before you. I want more of you in my life. Oh, others. Why? Because Jesus calls us to it. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. And then second, love your neighbor as yourself. God, I'm about to go into this workplace and you know I'm frustrated. You know I wanna leave. Lord, help me to be a witness for you in this place. Help me to love people. Help my love to abound more and more. Help me to know what you want me to do in this, in this position as I love on my, my boss or as, you, as I love on my coworkers. Help me not to focus on me. Help me to focus on others. And then why? You. God wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your requests. He wants to know what you, what you need. He wants to have you ask these things of him. And so do it. Whether that's a, a safe car ride or whether that's, Lord, I need your joy this morning. I need to be shifted. I need to be changed. I need to be moved. Please do that within me. God wants to bring us to this place of joy. And so my final challenge is this, fight for joy in prayer, with prayer, like your joy depends on it. Don't just, don't just cover it with a Band-Aid. Don't just cover it with what's easy. Don't just say, ah, I'm not feeling it right now. I don't wanna spend time in prayer. I'd rather just sit on the couch or I'd rather just go do this. I'd rather get out on, on the golf course or I'd rather just go out with friends. I'd rather fill it with something else that will only mask the true joy 
that Christ offers. So as we enter into this series over the next 15 weeks, my prayer, my hope is that we would look to Christ as a true giver of joy. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.